May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all all of our hearts always be acceptable in your sight. O God, who creates, redeems, and gives us life. Amen. Amen. Kia ora e te whanau. He te pia koutou, as I didn't say this morning. How are we all feeling this morning? Doing alright? Good. Uh, congratulations to those of us who have so far managed to avoid the COVID and managed to duck the Omicron as it's been coming your way. I feel like I've had to do some Matrix movie sort of like moves to somersault my way past the COVID that seems to be all around me. Uh, And of course, healing prayers uh, for those of us who are still recovering um, from what can be a pretty grunty illness. And what a week it has been. Russia seems to be scaling back its invasion of the Ukraine, fingers crossed, in their prayers. Uh, We've had influential politicians like Lewis or Wall calling it quits unexpectedly from politics. We finally had the Transmission Gully Motorway opening. I'm not sure if anyone's taken a spin on it. Adrian and I ducked out Thursday night, 9pm, for a little drive drive. Didn't see the view, but it was good fun. <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, we acknowledge the passing uh, of the eminent uh, Dr. Moana Jackson. Uh, truly a mighty torture has fallen. And yet, somehow, The news item that gets the most attention, has had the most water cooler conversations, has had the most rather interesting think pieces attached to it, has been a rather bizarre Oscar slap. I still cannot quite believe that Will Smith got on stage and smacked Chris Rock for making a rather poor taste joke about his wife. And yet, every night on the news this week, I've somehow been reminded about it. And every time I see that footage, I have to pinch myself to make sure that I'm not in some bizarre and surreal dream. But the strangest part for me was what came next. Was Will escorted out by security? Was he arrested for assault? No, no, just minutes later, he was back on that stage accepting his best actor Oscar uh, for his portrayal uh, of uh, Serena and Venus Williams' father in the movie King Richard. In a very emotional acceptance speech, Will said, Richard Williams was a fierce defender of his family. I'm being called on in my life to love people and protect people and to be a river to my people. He went on to directly reference the slap by saying, art imitates life. I look like the crazy father, but love will make you do crazy things. Since that slap, I've heard, seen and read so many people trying to define what love is and what it isn't. Some people are trying to affirm Will's sentiment that people should protect the things that they love and use violence if necessary. While others are arguing that 
love can never be violent. And that Will's action is an example of patriarchy and toxic masculinity. Now I'm not sure where I land on that continuum, probably somewhere along the ends of one of them. But what has continued to stick with me is Will's words that love will make you do crazy things. It's particularly stuck with me as I read the Gospel text for this morning. And what a rich story that it is. I mean, the setting is in the home of Lazarus, who Jesus rose from the dead. They're just hanging out, having dinner together, when along comes Mary, who anoints Jesus with this incredibly expensive perfume. Now, as our colleague this morning says, this is an extravagant act, flamboyant even, transgressing the cultural and social and religious expectations of the time, especially the assumptions of how men and women should interact with each other. Some people observing it may have even said, that's a bit crazy. But for Mary, it was a demonstration of her love for Jesus. Now the text states that the whole home was filled with the fragrance of this perfume. And I know the topic of incense can be a little bit controversial at St Peter's. I got in trouble very early on in my time here for uh, swinging some incense around. But it is something that I like about our tradition. That when we worship, we can engage all of our senses, even smell. And when I inhale incense, it actually helps me transport me into that space of worship. And it can help trigger my openness to the Holy One. And this would not have been lost on the people in this story. For them, incense offerings were a common part of Judaistic practice. So was this touching moment between Mary and Jesus allowed to pass without comment, without judgment? Oh no, along comes Judas the betrayer. Or perhaps in this story, better known as, we could call him Judas the sinner. He basically says, what the heck are you doing, woman? Why are you wasting such an expensive item? Wouldn't it be better if we sold it and gave the money to the poor? Now, if Judas is to be believed, this perfume is worth more than a year's wages. So we ain't talking about a $200 bottle of Chanel number no. 5, as classy as that might be. We're talking about a pound of pure lard, which is the equivalent of tens of thousands of dollars of value in our currency. And so I gotta admit, every time I read this text, I kind of instinctively end up rooting for Judas. He kind of seems to, to have a point, right? It kind of seems like a waste. Surely 
the value of this luxury item could be better utilised. Surely there are better ways of advancing the Kingdom of God than wiping this stuff all over Jesus' feet if you're here. And Jesus' reply is also curious. Jesus said, leave her alone. Notice he didn't slap Jesus. <laughs> leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. And so, as Jean said, we are reminded that Good Friday is coming. Mary seemingly knew that Jesus was on a journey to death. Mary seemed to understand that this Messiah must die. Something that perhaps his even closest disciples had not yet comprehended. Now, I really, really want to gloss over the part that came next. When Jesus said, you will always have the poor with you. I really don't like it. I don't want to think that Jesus said something like that. And I can think of many neat theological ways of explaining this away, but none of them sit well with me either. And of course, the stunning truth is that up to now, Jesus was right. At no point in time in any of our civilizations that we seem to have figured out a way of alleviating all poverty. Despite the incredible wealth we have in the modern world, we haven't seemed to have figured out a way to equitably distribute it so that all may enjoy its fruits. And while this phrase may seem like a prophecy, perhaps it might be better to see it as a challenge. A whittle laid down for us. Because perhaps if we loved like Mary, we wouldn't hoard up wealth. Perhaps if we loved like Mary, we would set better priorities. Perhaps if we loved like Mary, we would actually focus our energy on creating a society where no one goes without. And so this for me is the Lenten message I need to hear on my journey towards Easter. I need to be reminded to be less like Judas, less quick to judgment, a little less cynical, and instead open my heart to Mary's example of flamboyant, exuberant, and selfless love. 